श्री श्री राजी गोपाल की जय गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय गो भक्त बिंद की जय प्रेम Any questions tonight? Yes. I um in the book they were reading after Mangala Arati yesterday morning there was a sentence that was something like there are two kinds of kirtan binding and non-binding. <laughs> and yeah. I wanted to know about that. I never heard that expression before. I don't know what the Bengali is there. Um and uh There was no explanation either. Um, was it Narutam's kirtan? Yeah. I think Narutam evoked a, uh, developed a particular style of kirtan that was uh, famous. Um, do you remember the name of that type of kirtan? So apparently, within that, there must have been these two aspects. It's it's, it's a, a form of kirtan that's unfortunately um, l- largely lost in in Agodia. Community today, but you certainly want to think about reviving it when you hear <laughs> the uh, uh, such uh, reports as we are hearing it uh, uh, regarding the Kethari Gram festival and the kirtans being of such instrumental musical um, um, expertise and heartfelt uh, chanting that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his, own, his associates, who had all disappeared by that time, appeared to the assembled devotees. So, um, of course, Prabhupada said, with regard to playing the drum, which is quite central, obviously, to the to the uh, the kirtan, beat it with feeling. <laughs> so that's true, but it, at the same time, we have a feeling that we would like to. See some expertise, and and to see that uh, style of kirtan. The other, there's another prominent one. I, I don't know if it was by started by Shrinivas. I, I can't recall, but that's how how distanced we, as a tradition, Gaudi tradition, are from those kind of um, roots. You may find somewhere in Bengal, but in the international community of Gaudi Vaishnavism, and in many parts of India, where there are Gaudi is. Uh, in Vrindavan, have Radhakund, Govardhan, so forth, you don't hear that. So, what is, it's, uh, uh, we're bound to find out about the binding and unbinding type at some point in our eternal sojourn. Hopefully we'll get some insight from Narutam. We can go to Vrindavan where the deity of Mahaprabhu from that festival is found at who became Narutam's deity at the Radha Gokulananda temple. Ask for some uh, insight. But I, I never pursued that, uh, not being a musician myself. And there are those in the community that are quite proficient in, in music and and uh, have, uh, I believe, tried to... Um, Westerners that have tried to emulate uh, authentic, if you will, uh, Indian uh, uh, Bengali uh, style of kirtan, but that that was that's a very sophisticated style that I that uh, I haven't heard anyone uh, play or teach. I think I, I met one fellow once who said he was being taught something of that, but so that's the best I can answer on that. But nice that you listened, heard that, and it, I think everybody wondered about that. <laughs> Probably if I had known, I would have commented at the time. But uh, but again, we should also have to look at the Bengali and see what what's being what the word used there is as well. But um, it may have been with regard to feelings of separation and union. Hmm? There may have been words used. So they they would so they would they were doing Nam Kirtan and Lila Kirtan also. So Lila Kirtan, they were in a mood of separation. They could bring the Lord by such. And it could shift into a, uh, a kirtan that is in the mood of uh, of, uh, of union, but it did uh, at least the way it was worded there, which is hard to go by. But it did appear to be more of a musical um, um, issue 
then a mood of uh, rasa, bhava, but we we don't we don't know. That's uh, the only edition I'm aware of, and 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 the translator is known to be have erred. Let's put it like that. <laughs> At times, he's pretty good on the stories and things, but some of the philosophical works he he worked on were problematic in terms of their translations. So, as we can do on that, another, you had a question, Parana? I was uh, reading recently an article describing how um, materialism largely works because those in favor of a dualistic view of consciousness and matter have not been successful in describing <laughs> yeah. how consciousness connects to matter. Yeah. And if that <laughs> argument was clearly defined, there would be a stronger case for consciousness. Huh. So, would you like to describe how consciousness interacts with chitta and chitta with the physical, psychic, and then the physical form? Yeah, well, the argument is kind of a funny argument because uh, it's, 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 it is a, the basic argument um, that if dualism is correct, this meaning that that uh, the way they're thinking about it, mind is uh, non-logical reality and different from body. And we go further and, of course, speak of consciousness, which is different from mind and body, but um, but the mind is very, mu- very much kind of quasi-conscious because of the touch of consciousness. So at any rate, uh, the argument being, uh, how does consciousness contact and influence matter, we have not been able to um, uh, see consciousness contact and and move matter, and therefore, uh, why should we believe that there's something called consciousness different from matter? This is kind of the argument. Well, this specifically was, give us a good explanation of how it... Okay, that's, that's fine, right. Um, but that aside, uh, the point I'm making initially is that um, um, the converse of that is be- is that, or, or that the 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 um, what follows that kind of reasoning is because we can't find out, we can't see any way that there's something called mind that touches matter. There, therefore, mind must be matter. The conclusion that I just stated that follows that it, then we turn around and say, well, can you show us how, how there's no such thing as mind and there's only a brain, for example? And if you could, then it would be more believable. So it's just the opposite, right? You can say it both ways, in other words. If you could show us how mind influences brain, and we can see it, then we would believe that there's something called a mind separate from the brain. And we say, well, if you could show us how mind is brain... And then we, and there's no such thing as really a mind; it's just a brain. Then we believe you, maybe. <laughs> so it goes both ways, but but it's always put in the first way, as if mm-hmm. therefore it's unbelievable, hmm? because you can't show us. I mean, it's a it's a kind of a it it's a good question, hmm? in one sense, um, because something that's entirely different, as we're saying, mind, ontologically different than matter. How do they connect? Um, um, but of course, in history of uh, of science, there was a time uh, when um, Newton, I guess you could say, discovered gravity, which the implications of which was that there were forces that caused objects to move without physical contact. And uh, at the time when he posited such, people thought Newton's gone back to the occult, which we were just trying to get out of and away from all the superstitions and things, and 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 be objective. And now that we have the the the, the, the controlled experiment and so on and so forth, um, of course he was proven to be right and exactly what gravity is. Who knows? And and um, in other words, they can they can 
they can they can see that it ha- figure out that it happens, but how it actually happens, how I don't think that's uh, un- understood. Uh, so it, so it's just got some, something that's just been digested in the history of science. They couldn't deny gravity, but um, a complete explanation of how it. Now I'm not an expert, but I'm quite sure that uh, that it, it's not. It's just something again that's just been kind of okay. Well, let's move on from here. Something like that, um, which is what they try to do nowadays with with quantum um, physics. Let's just move on. It works in some way. We don't know how. And we don't have to be concerned about it. And let's not get up, turn turn the world upside down over it. Um, let's keep making gizmos and gadgets and uh, based on it, and uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so, um, point being only that, that there's a lot of things um, that we don't understand, um, and um, forces and influences, because, because it was thought in, in classical physics that they'd figured out all the forces that, in the world, and the world was a closed system, and the, there was no room for any outside anything outside of those forces to have an influence, and uh, that's what it was thought. But that's kind of been uh, turned upside down by the quantum. So anyway, the point is that things are, um, many things yet to be found out, discovered, and so forth. And this is, uh, and then again, then we go to this issue. um, How, okay, so how, anyway, besides all that, what is your best argument for how consciousness is causal and influences matter. Never mind that it's our common sense experience that consciousness moves matter in everyday life, that we have conscious thoughts, I think I'll do this, I should do this, and then I carry them out and do them, and so on and so forth. Um, it's very counterintuitive idea that consciousness is not causal, that, that, that there's not a mind, that there's only a brain, we, we don't live our everyday lives like this, uh, and so on and so forth, but their idea is, well, you know, we we can't find it to be separate, so that it just must be, and and um, uh, so what is our um, explanation? Is what you want to know anyway? How consciousness moves matter? Um, well, uh, let's start like this: it doesn't move it in the way uh, physical forces move matter, because it's not a physical force. So when you insist that you want to see how it moves, this is kind of the underlying, it's, it's interesting because the underlying implications of the question is is that, that in order for us to see how it moves matter, we know how things move by physical forces, so if it's not moving it like that, I guess it's not moving it. So you pre, you kind of preclude or you, you, you exclude the, the idea that there's some other kind of force that doesn't function like material forces do. And as soon as we, if you, if you want us to tell us how physically it has this influence, then you kind of like undercut the whole uh, uh, argument because then it becomes a physical, just another physical. I mean, and there are, there are attempts like this to expand the notion of the physical hmm? or the natural world. Mm-hmm. And uh, to include proto consciousness or panpsychism, an material idea of it, that there's consciousness everywhere, um, and, and uh, it's a it's just it's another aspect of the natural world, and we got to figure out exactly you know uh, uh, just like we don't know much about dark matter, but it's there. So we've got to figure out about consciousness. And, and, you know, they're always just avoiding the idea that it could be different from matter. Or, you know, in other words, in one sense, you don't have to say that it is, okay? It's just there, just part of reality. Call it whatever you want to call it. Hmm. Um, so I like, you know, the direction of the, of the panpsychism, which is an old Vedic, you know, perspective, of course. Pan, the consciousness is everywhere, underlying everything. So there are people going in, in, in that direction. They don't seem troubled by the idea that of uh, this old problem. And it can be done away with, in one sense, by not positing two different entities. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just nature, just the reality. Hmm? 
some of it's conscious, some of it's not, and that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, there's every possibility that the nature of consciousness is such, for example, that by proximity to matter, it can move matter. What the Vedic literature gives, like the Bhagavatam, for example, gives as an example, and examples only go so far, or analogy. Analogies don't prove anything, but they help us to try to understand the concept. The, the analogy that they give is of, of, the, of the magnet and the magnetic um, particles. So you can have positively, uh, a, a, a whatever, positive or negatively charged magnet, and at a distance, without, you know, gross, let's say, physical contact of the magnet with the with the magnetic particles, it can move the particles this way or that way. Hmm? Of course, you know, then you make magnetic force as a physical force, and therefore, you know, uh, uh, and so forth. So the analogy breaks down, but it is, um, there's also the quantum kind of perspective of, I think that's, it's a Bell's theorem of non-locality that uh, that um, things um, it, how's it go ha- happen at a distance um, events here cause things to happen at a distance I mean that's a hmm I can't hear you I don't know that I'm not familiar with that but it's non-locality anyway yes yeah, so so you know, uh, there are some analogies that can be invoked to uh, promote the idea, but again, if you're looking for a, a physical force, you have to stop looking for a physical force, which means we're, look, we're talking about something that's entirely different than the physical, and how does it move the physical in ways that are different than physical things move things, and the physical, in our, from our perspective, comes out of it. It comes out of it. Hmm? To begin with, um, and of course, ultimately, the the full measure of the consciousness is is the Godhead, and matter is an aspect of himself. So there's no duality; and it's all one. But anyway, so it's complicated. But but we, we we don't have the explanation that they're looking for, which, if we did, would work against us. Is my point. Hmm? Because we would be saying it's a physical force, and it's a subtle physical force that works like this, and we can show it to you over here. And, and the whole idea is that, that, that the Atmos is not visible to the, to the, to the naked, naked eye. There's, there, there's limitations with physical perception and our ability to measure physically all that is, that is real. And, and it's not unreasonable, because can you... Can, what... How... Um, just think about it for a moment, how um, it's one thing to measure quantities. It's another thing to try to measure qualities. Hmm? So if you want to measure your happiness, you get a laugh meter or something like that. You know, I mean, so to measure the qualitative experiences of people, hmm? this is very, you know, it's, it's like, a, can, can, you, can you do it? Hmm? How sad are you? Pretty sad. I'm pretty, pretty, worse than yesterday, or whatever. You know, <laughs> you know. Uh, and and it's a whole. It, so uh, it 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 kind of defies that kind of a physical quantifying type of measurement. The whole realm of subjectivity, the whole realm of subjective feelings, emotions, and so forth. Hmm? Obviously, you can say something was funnier than another thing, but what does that mean? How 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 much how many how many laughs? <laughs> funnier was it? You know, uh, <laughs> how many tears? You know, sadder was it, and so forth. So, so as we look at at, at qualia, qualia, you know, qualia that means the uh, qualitative experiences that we have, to use the uh, scientific and philosophical term of today's world, um, then we're acknowledging some type of uh, unquantifiable um, reality. And, uh, and now to uh, uh, 
and, and we have qualitative experiences, so why shouldn't there be an experiencer that is also qualitative and subjective and, and, and so forth? Um, and then, then, then to say that, ha- that to, to look for or, or insist upon, depend upon a quantifiable objective measurement of how that realm influences the objective realm is it, it, it's almost like a non-question. It's just like a dumb question. You're asking, you know, the, how a thing that is not material materially influences something that's material. Well, it doesn't influence it materially. It influences it by its own powers, which you don't know anything about. Hmm? And um, and so, but acquaintance with it um, will, uh, I suppose, you could say, you know, re- reveal it in in due course, or just make sense to you in due course. But the explanation you're looking for is is um, is, is not not, for, not forthcoming. Um, you know. Then that said, there are people who do uh, work with the paranormal and things like tele telekinetics and telepathy and so on and so forth and ability of people's minds to influence or the ability to feel somebody behind you you know mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing uh, and, and they're so they're trying to do what these people want my, my argument is why, why why bother with that we're talking about something that from the very beginning we say transcends the, the, the mental and the physical and you want to understand it with your mental and your physical and bring it down into your realm. And the whole point of it is that it's beyond that. And to experience and to know its powers and influences and so forth, you have to do it on its terms, which means you have to let go of the material way of of, of, of knowing. And, of course, you're not, that's not going to sell very widely to you know, people. But, I mean, it's a reasonable quite a reasonable argument. It really fits with the definition of consciousness as we, um, um, that, the, that, the, that the sacred texts um, give it. So, again, you know, it will be understood on consciousness's terms, uh, not on mental terms. And therefore, even our ability to explain it with intellect and words and so forth is limited. And we admit that to start with. So we don't say, it moves it like this. Like you know, and give some, some. It's it, it's it's we we say that matter is within the orbit of consciousness. It arises out of consciousness. It's the it's the shadow you know of the of the substance. It's the smoke of the god that is the fire, uh, and and, uh, and it's dependent. I mean, matter. Ha- you see, matter has a lot of its own movements having been set in motion by consciousness. Then matter has all kinds of things that it does. It can be intelligent. Hmm? I mean, you used to have, we used to have a light up at the gate. When If you got too close, it went on. So there's perception. Light. There's a soul in there. You know? No, you know, the brain does that kind of stuff. So sophisticated forms of matter, and that's what they see within artificial intelligence, that they can get things... Um, things matter to do things that previously maybe it was it was thought only um, only people could do. Um, so matter has a lot that it that it can do. Of course, it's again it's 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 in from the Vedic point of view it's uh, from Vedanta it's in a in a in a kind of a what would you call it a um, primordial state to begin with and not moving and then it's activated by consciousness by the glance. The idea is that Vishnu reflects upon it. Vishnu thinks about it, and it starts moving. Hmm? Such is the power of the gods' thinking. And then it has all this wonderful movement of its own. It is a fascinating thing. I mean, matter is like way out there. Fascinating. We talk about consciousness being like that. We could talk about matter like that. It's, it's incredible. I mean, even what you find in... You know, physical studies and is incredible. What to speak of what what the Bhagavatam says about it? It's like, you know, you have Gopakumar, for example, in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, going Kramuti step by step to higher and higher planes of 
religious and spiritual experience, and some of them are he enters into the earth, 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 water, fire, air, ether. You know, okay, we think we well, hear some earth, here's some water, here's some fire. There are dimensions also as described in the Bible. He enters into the earth dimension, and he sees Braha, Avatar, and Bhumi, the goddess of earth, worshiping him, and she says, "Come on in. It's great in here." Hmm? And he goes to the, 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 the to the through all the elements from earth to water, fire, the di- dimensions. What is that? Hmm? And he sees the goddess of there, and and there's entities in there, and so on and so forth. Then he goes to the Perdan. Hmm? That's far, really far out. <laughs> then he goes, of course, beyond it, and so forth. So like, so you have these things like. Buddhist, like we call prakriti nirvana, to merge with matter. It's, it's something, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so fascinating uh, subject, and uh, and uh, you, something maybe you can get a little bit more of a handle on than consciousness that's that's doing it, that's getting the handle on it, it gets lost in the, you know in the in the in the, uh, in the um, in the measuring, if you will, that, that there's a measurer, and uh, anyways, but uh, they, there's much, uh, you know, to, to find out about about matter. That uh, in, in, a, in a way, that's what modern science does, is doing: is finding things about matter that they didn't know, that are fascinating, and so they keep looking into it as if that's it, that's what it is, that everything's there, and and uh, and so on and so forth. And they've got a long way to look. There's tons of things to find out uh, how things work. Why do cows, 80% of the time when feeding, face north or south? That's a good one. <laughs> Instead of east or west. I mean, so there's lots of questions <laughs> out there. And that's just, you know, what they can see and measure, you know, on earth, if you will. You know. uh, so you can get lost in that for, for, for a long, long time. Um, it's uh, it's Vishnu Maya. It's it's fantastic, fantastic. Uh, the touch of Vishnu, then. So the, so anyway, your your question again. This subtle matter is such that I've given an example, just like a metal. Let's say a sheet of metal, then you can reflect the light. Mm-hmm. So subtle matter is 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 like that. That when the light of consciousness touches it, if you will when Vishnu reflects on it, then it can reflect the light of consciousness. That's why the subtle body, then, is quasi-conscious. For all intents and purposes, it is consciousness. It's consciousness, like, working through it, while consciousness is really kind of sitting in the background, witnessing. And then everything that we do is being done by the subtle body, and then carried out by the physical body. And uh, and the subtle body kind of mediates between gross matter and consciousness itself, and um, and so that's why the mind, for example, in Antakaran, the, inter- the subtle body, is is something that can work as a tool for you or or, or against you. So it can be um, uh, trained, and the chitta can be cleansed, and so on. And so on. and that's why then in Bhakti Bhava takes over the subtle body. Hmm? When Bhakti fully takes over the subtle body, in Baba, then when that Baba is turned into Prem, then the physical body becomes fully spiritualized as well. Hmm? And that is, you know, this transubstantiation that we sometimes talk about, matter transforming, in this case, into, into spirit, which you might think, well, that's hard to believe, but then, then sadhus, as they appear in this world, after disappearing, also appear. Mahaprabhu's associates all appeared. They were in their spiritualized sadaka dehas. They're all they're all Krishna Leela associates, and they're appearing as in in the role in the Leela being sadakas practitioners, their bodies. So that that, that form exists eternally, even though it's in, entombed and so on and so forth, and disappears from mortal vision. It can come in dreams and visions and so on and so forth. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, basically, this, we say that there's subtle matter and it can reflect consciousness, and then once it does, it, it starts to act as, if, as consciousness. And, but then they would stay there. That's like 
okay, but then they don't even know how mind, you know, which is what we're talking about here, subtle body, reflecting consciousness, denying the existence of that, is influencing the physical matter. I mean, it's a very... Um, um, I think it's a very, a very, you know, the, that everything is physical is very counterintuitive. It's it's thought to be the simplest, most eloquent uh, explanation without having to add in, as they put it, God in the gaps. But, but I think that's a very kind of a silly um, um, argument. Uh, it, it's not just the simplest way of looking at things. It's a very complex and counterintuitive way of looking at things, actually. The simple and straightforward way of looking at things is I have consciousness, and, uh, and, and it, it's causal. Hmm? Well, for example, I have a mind, I have thoughts, I make plans, and then I carry out actions. So mind influences matter, and that's how everybody functions in the world. That's the practical world. Hmm? And so to say, well, let's just look at it real simple here, not add anything in there. Well, that would be the simplest way to look at it. So you want to look beyond that simplest way and say, actually, the complicated fact is there is no mind, and um, and that's just an illusion, and it's and it's it's a pretty big one that everybody's under. And there is nobody, <laughs> by the way. There's only this matter, and and I mean, it's just a very convoluted. Um, it's not like the simple, straightforward. Let's just look at the facts, ma'am. You know, type of approach, and neither is ours. Just a filling in the gaps with the God. We're not filling in the gaps with God. We're saying we define consciousness different from you. That's all. In your in your view, where you're trying to explain everything in the simplest, most eloquent way, does not explain consciousness. You're trying to explain it away or, or turn it into a brain. That's a very twisted argument. And you'll say, well, you know, there's a lot of things, Swami, that look strange, but you have to look at the power of time. Little drops of water for millions of years will create, you know, a Grand Canyon. And if I was come to tell you that this huge Grand Canyon, that's not particularly perhaps created by water, but let's say, you know, if you drop a water enough same place long enough for millions and millions of years it could create a huge canyon if you were to come to the beautiful canyon and i said this was made by by drops of water you would say it's unbelievable but this is the power of of time hmm. evolution over time over time it's i know it's hard to believe that that insentient matter has become sentient hmm. but but what's really inconceivable here is the power of time. Hmm? Hmm. This is kind of a Darwinian, Darwinian type of mm-hmm. argument about it. But, um, but who's time? That's one way to look at it. But, of course, Krishna identifies himself with time. But, but that, that's an argument that um, is full of gaps because it, 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 it says that, first of all, it says that that it's it's it, it's a very this is a very very um, un um, kind of I want to say shallow uh, explanation. These people who embrace Darwinian evolution as if it's the answer to everything are are, are just very poor philosophers. I mean, there is a good case to be made for biological evolution. Okay. But chemical evolution, which is on the other end here, is something which is kind of, let's just forget about that. Decades and decades ago, it was thought that either they were going to make this connection between the chemical to the biological shortly. Well, that just never, ever happened. Look at the history of science. That just didn't happen. And what happened is they just kind of stopped talking about it. Hmm? So you want to talk about a gap the gap between chemicals and chemistry and biology and the idea that chemistry, non-living chemistry, turns into what we call life, biology, that's not part of Dar- you know, Darwinian evolution. That's the part that 
when you try to extend it, that's where you get stuck. That, so that's a huge gap right there that just, you just want to fill in with, with let's just not talk about that. Uh, it's time. Let's just throw time in there. Hmm? Now we, we know it's inconceivable, but, but by time it happened. Hmm? I mean, is that any different than by saying we don't know, but God you know, did it? Hmm? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, so... Uh, Oh, we, well, we see the influence of time. We don't see the influence of God. But how do you know the influence of time isn't God or whatever? So, I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge thing on one end. Hmm? And the other end of biology is, is how at the other end of biology, as it becomes more and more complex, the life forms, is the idea. As it becomes more and more complex, this is the thinking, as it becomes as complex as it gets in human life, then something called consciousness comes out. That's how they think. Hmm? And now that end of the argument is a huge gap also because how did that consciousness come out? There's no explanation. They've been working on it for a long time. There's, no, there's all kinds of explanations, but no, nobody who's in the field of explaining it accepts anybody else's explanation whatsoever. So there's a huge gap there. There's all kinds of theories, hmm? but none of them are supported by, by proofs, if you will. Hmm? So there's a gap on that end, there's a gap on the other end. And somewhere in between, people are adapt, things are adapting to their circumstances. Big deal. We, we know that people adapt to circumstances and life adapts to circumstances. To what extent and whatnot, I'm not a biologist and it seems like some people think it's quite a bit and it very well could be, but, but that, that's supposed to explain everything? Hmm? Then you add, and by the way, chemicals become life. And, and by the way, um, biology hmm, becomes conscious, becomes aware of itself. Now, chemicals become life, and then life becomes aware of itself. Now, also in evolution, the way the theory works, anyway, is that the evolution that takes place is an extension of something that's already there. Hmm? So, uh, whatever's... The development has its roots in something that already exists. So that, the, so that, that leaves out non-conscious matter becoming... non-experiential matter becoming experiential. There's no, there's no connection between experience and non-experience. So, it's a very... It, it, it doesn't, to say it happens over time, it's like certain things could happen over time, even according to the theory of evolution, but, but this couldn't happen. Hmm? It's too different. How different? Like, weirder things have never happened. Hmm? Right? <laughs> they haven't. So, uh, you know, first of all, it's not the simplest explanation. It's not how we live our lives. And we can't live our lives according, if we were to say, okay, this is really what's true, and we should, therefore we should live in accordance with it. You cannot live in accordance with it. So you have to say, this is true, but I live like this, um, which is rather odd. Um, so it's not the simplest explanation. It's not a common sense explanation. And it's full of gaps. Mm-hmm. And so our explanation is different. Our explanation is that um, that, uh, that consciousness is 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 um, is, is uh, different from um, um, physical and psychic matter. Hmm? Why is that unreason- unreasonable? It sure looks different. Seems acts surely acts different. Well, you can't, you know, demonstrate. Well, this, yeah, that's true. So what? You can't demonstrate your ideas either, and they don't work on so many levels. On some levels, they may seem to work, but they're they're very counterintuitive. As to say, people can't live like that. So, um, yeah, how do chemicals become life? We would say they don't. Um, I guess we would say the touch of consciousness. Is the um, what turns chemicals in the, in the bio- chemistry into biology? I don't know. I never thought about that too much, but something like that. 
Life is 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 really consciousness. It's not uh, biology or chemistry. Anyway, so I don't know. You know, it's it's who's got the microphone? Who's got the money? It starts to sound to the people like they got the truth because they repeat it enough times and they believe it themselves and so forth. But it's. Um, Materialism is is a dying thing, in my opinion, as a philosophy. Naturalism, physicalism, it's it's met its match in trying to deal with consciousness, with itself, trying to do with away with the self. But it's he's not ready to go away yet. It's causing problems. I wanted to write a book, the autobiography of the self, but it's too complex. What people think about the self over generations, over in different cultures, and and at this point, they said I was like this, you know, <laughs> and uh, and then came those existentialists, you know, and you go through the whole thing. <laughs> but it would be very, very uh, interesting book autobiography of the self, self-speaking and then speaking about what people over this history, generations and different cultures have thought about the self. Hmm. Is it complex because of the research that's required? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Someone did the research that you write? Uh, it would be hard to do the research. You had to really, have to really, really read a lot and, mm. and study it. You know, and then there's so many new ones. Like say, in India, they thought they thought I was like this. Well, some of them did. I mean, Shankar thought I didn't really exist in the ultimate. And then, you know, they got to go into that whole thing. You know, how far are you going to go into each one, you know? Then Ramanuji, he thought like this, and that's true, too. But then, you know, and that's just there. And, and then you've got the whole of Western philosophy. And then you've got, you know, uh, Aboriginal type of, uh, what would you call it, like um, animism, animistic traditions and so forth. What did they think? And who? And then, then today, you know, the materialistic arguments for what the self is. There's just like there's less like just too many to even count. Every day, some new theory about what consciousness is is coming out that makes makes a bleep and then disappears. You know, new theory. The consciousness figured it out, and he goes, "Oh yeah, not quite." Next, another one comes out. I got this. You know. You, you you know you 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 read the news on a Google or something, and the next thing you know, you read something, and then just the, you look at the news, and then they think you must be interested in this, you know. So I get all these articles about consciousness. <laughs> I look for the news, and all I get is articles about consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I see every, every few days there's one somebody else has figured out what consciousness is, you know, kind of, and not at all. Yes. I just had a, a follow-up question. When you say the subtle body, what do you mean by the subtle body? Yeah, we mean um, what's called chitta, ahankar, manas, and buddhi. So it means like, for example, chitta, awareness of a sound, buddhi. It means in, in, intelligence, will determining it's the sound of a flute manas the seed of desire feeling emotion i like the sound of the flute hmm? and all these three in one sense are aspects of an identity hunkar i am and i like flute sound something like that so these are subtle components um that in Western uh, philosophy and science is called, you know, mind. We, the yoga world, breaks this up and, uh, and um, um, in one sense the chitta is the whole thing, but it has these compartments of buddhi, manas, and ankar. So this is from yoga research, okay, which is a very objective science where you 
you, you, you step back from the world and your attachments to see it for what it is in a very radical way, hmm? which is basically the idea of science, right? You step back, just be objective. Don't let your feelings influence what's... Uh, just look at the data. Hmm? Impossible, you know, task, not to let your feelings get in the way. But, but yoga is a very sophisticated art and methodology to actually step back from the feelings and see things for what they are. And in the context of doing that, they've seen the subtle body and understood this, its compartments and how it works and so forth. And and that's what and yoga is about, how to extract the consciousness from the gross and subtle matter. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um. I just remember that the devotees often quoted uh, Prabhupada saying that in some time in the future, scientists will understand or will accept the notion of, of self or soul. Good. And does it mean that they will become kind of yogic in their perspective? Well, my you know vision, as I've said several times, is that science was born, modern science as a Christian, then in time it became agnostic. Uh, now it's um, maturity, it's become atheistic. But if it's to live into old age, it'll have to become a mystic. Mm-hmm. So uh, religion, properly understood, going to the heart of it, spirituality, is about understanding the nature of being, uh, which is what science is about. I mean, there's two things what's out there and who's talking about it and, perce- and experiencing it, which is in here. What What is in here that, that sees what's out there and is there a difference? Are they the same? Well, what's, that's kind of what the whole thing's all about, right? Hmm? So that's what spiritual life is about, properly understood. It's not about just praying for things, right? Hmm? It's about that. In, in one sense, that's what science is about too. Hmm? They go about it uh, differently. Um, so where's the where's the meeting point? I'll tell you where the dividing point is. Is where science doesn't uh, where religion becomes fundamentalist and science becomes scientific. I guess you could say, hmm? where you've got scientific facts and then you extrapolate on the facts as if that what your as if your extrapolation is a proven um, truth when it's not. Hmm? That's called scientism, and these people are fighting with one another. If you get really sophisticated uh, uh, scientists, uh, I would say better scientists than the more objective, hmm? and you get mystics, then they can have conversations and consider. Whereas the other, the typical, um, you know, we got the, you got the one hand the fundamentalist religious orientation that science is bad, and then you got the scientistic fundamentalism with religion is bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're debating and so forth so I feel there are you know extended ideas that, that on, from through both in both disciplines that have a meeting point uh, we call it uh, yeah. mysticism mm-hmm. so maybe probably was talking about something like that mm-hmm. and I think it would be yeah I think what I, what I, I look at it like um that you come to the conclusion in science that that the consciousness is not part of the brain. Hmm? And that's not that far of a stretch. They're having such a problem trying to make it part of the brain. There are all kinds of theories that it's not part of the brain coming out. So you, you come to the, the conclusion, or let's say the consensus, hmm, amongst scientists, that consciousness is not a part of the brain, human brain or or any brain. Hmm? So that is huge. Right? Even if you still have a materialistic explanation of things, so well, it's just like, whoa, that's really different. Um, it means consciousness is everywhere. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Panpsychism, which again, Vedanta's advocated since forever. Hmm? 
then you're that much closer. You just accept it. I mean, you have to understand, a decade ago, panpsychism, if you brought it up, people in the scientific community, they'd, they'd just, you'd be a laughing stock. It's like, you mean, you think, you think ants, you know. Because they think consciousness just means self-awareness. Hmm? And only humans have self-awareness. But now they're actually finding out that insects have self-awareness. They have egos. I mean, so it's in a, you can't avoid it. Uh, and, uh, and then and, and you can't locate it in the brain, it's consciousness. So, so, there, so this is a good step, right? from our point of view, panpsychism, whatever the version of it is. Then you're just that much closer to what we're saying. So then I would think, you know, you go on from there and you come to some type of Buddhistic or um, Advaitin perspective, which is basically that, uh, let's say, the Advaitin perspective. There is the I hmm, that I have is, a, is, a, is an illusion. Hmm. Really, there's under this underlying consciousness, there's a universal mind. Hmm? And I'm thinking myself separate from the universal mind, and that's the problem, so I've got to merge with the universal mind. This kind of idea. I could see that would be like the next incremental, huge, nonetheless, step to go in. Hmm? So I'm not out there, you know, bashing my body, you know, frontal, frontal attack. So I have a more of a subtle approach to it, you know. <laughs> that that idea is, is, is out there, uh, you know, the neo-awakened kind of idea is out there, and uh, but there's something more to be said hmm, to consider and so forth. So once you get to the point where, you, you, if, if you can get to that point where people say consciousness is not the brain, there is a, there is a, a universal intelligence. I'm not saying there's a guy up there, but there's a universal intelligence, you know, and we know that, and and if we tap into it, then, you know, that's the best way to get... But it's hard to do, but anyway, something like that. Yeah, then, you, then once you're there, start to get there, then you, then you can have these great discussions about whether consciousness um, is, um, is uh, individual, or is there only a universal mind, and, and uh, whether there's movement in consciousness, or whether it's just stillness, and... And so forth, and that's where we, you know, excel, if you will, in that field. So I could see the world moving in, in, in that kind of direction, but I mean, it would be just a just tiny step in that direction, as I'm talking about, it would be dramatic in terms of how it played out in uh, in the way people conduct themselves and so forth. And that's so it's a huge, a huge thing. Of course, it happens, I guess, subtly. People in start to embrace these ideas and then the implications of them, you know, take time to play out. And, but now if you keep promoting a mater- materialism, physicalism and so forth, you're really promoting you know, ideas that, that then they seem to filter down into the masses of people who don't even think about it or understand it, but they act in ways as if, yeah, it doesn't matter, we're just machines anyway. I mean, they, they start to act like that and you've got kids going in and shooting up other kids in schools and stuff like that. Where do those kind of ideas come from? Do you think those kids think life has meaning and purpose? How could they think like that and do that? They're thinking life has no meaning, no purpose. Hmm. Or I'm, you make up your, and this is the idea, you make up your own meaning, and this is mine, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, I, I can't help but think that those types of things um, are... You know, people say, well, look, look at all the wars that come from religion. We should do away with religion. Well, yeah, there's some wars that happened, you know, uh, and, and uh, um, what would you call them, genocides and so forth, were, uh, um, uh, that non-theistic people were behind, like Stalin, Pol Pot, you know, Hitler and so forth. So you could compare notes there and make a case. Well, well, you know, works both ways, fine. But uh, if you want to, if you want to promote, you know, like like these, uh, like Dawkins was buying Richard Dawkins advertisements in in London on buses. You know, you don't have to believe in God. It's okay. You know that kind of thing. Really promote this idea. When he was pushed, 
um, you know, to his credit, he had, he said when he was asked, "You mean to say, according to your philosophy, there's no difference between, um, you know, uh, raping a child and um, and, um, and, and 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 giving a birthday present to one?" And he said, "Yeah, really, there's no difference. That that is, the, in the words, you can make up a difference, and but." It's just physical atoms bouncing off whatever it is, you know. One another, that's all that's happening. In any instance, that's that's all there is. That's the only real object. That's materialism. Objective meaning. There is no meaning, purpose. You can make up a meaning and think it's bad to rape somebody. And other people might agree with you and so forth. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's a truth that has ontologically rooted in it. There's a, there's a real right and there's a real wrong hmm, that's universal. There is no such universal right or universal wrong in materialism. And thoughts don't matter either. So that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> and so the idea is, you make up your own meaning. So if you really promote this idea very strongly, how does it play out to the average person? This is, this is what you taught in school. You make up your own meaning. And we think you should make up this kind of meaning because it's better to be like this or like that. But, you know, it's like, says who? Hmm. This is my meaning. There's no consequence. If I if I feel like this uh, and I don't like these people for whatever reason, I might as well shoot them. And there's no consequence for that. When you die, you're dead. And... Uh, As far as being in this world, I'll be famous. I'll be on the news. See you later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you, I, I, I would be. Uh, I would think it would be, be it would be difficult to really promote this kind of thinking, teach it. Um, you know, brand people with it, whatever you know, uh, infuse them with this kind of thinking, and then think. That as we go, we go forward. We're going to make sense to everybody about why you should do one thing and why you shouldn't do another thing, and we're going to be able to control that. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't seem like a good idea to me. <laughs> hey. mm-hmm. You have you have really strong and powerful reasons for saying something is right or or, or wrong if you think. That there's the right and wrong are there is there that that that, that it's rooted in ontologically that there's there is meaning there is purpose dangerous idea and then they say of course they say well you know we don't need we don't need religion to be good people we can do that we can figure out what's good and what's not good and and it. You can't do away with God. You just made a God there. So we're going to determine what's good, and what's bad, and and uh, whether you're happy or not. We're going to decide. The guy with the white coat, and and then 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 you know really do you have any, you know, isn't it kind of just silly and sentimental to think that I shouldn't kill uh, the baby because uh, she's the daughter because the daughter's going to cost me money in my society and 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 and, and the son's going to make me money. You could say it's a horrible thing, but you know, <laughs> you know, you could say, "Oh, that's a horrible way to think." Well, that's what you think, but it, it, you can make a law against it, so on and so forth. But, but it's just what some people think. It's not how I feel. A guy could say, and he's right, according to your own teaching. And so then you have to suppress him by your law. I mean, it's I don't know. It doesn't seem like that has a lot of power to keep people. Uh, to motivate people to do good, to be good, whatever. <laughs> and what is the good? Hmm? Okay? And you can say, well, you know, the good things are this, this, and this. And these are things that are all taught in the Bible. <laughs> you, know, you know, love your neighbor like yourself. Yeah. Where do these ideas come from? Hmm? If you think you come from animals and you evolved and so forth, well, when religion came on the scene, then you got these ideas, these noble ideas of good and bad and morality and so that's where it comes from hmm? in the first place 
They say you don't. We don't need it to be, to be morally correct. And, okay. So we're not enthusiastic about that uh, kind of teaching for good reasons. All right, we'll stop there. Shishiraji Gopal ki jaya. Kodi Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jaya. Zod Premanam.